Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there a ton. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it's Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, basically anywhere where you can find podcasts, you can share us with your Friends, another thing I'd love to remind you of is our podcast host, Podiat, is offering all of our listeners a 14-day free trial of their premium services and 25% off your first month of the premium membership. All you got to do is go to podiant.co, that's P-O-D-I-A-N-T dot C-O, sign up using, using the offer code Longhorn to get 25% off your first three months of premium and a 14-day trial. That's actually how Kyle and I got on all those services because all I had to do was click a button and they took care of it for me and the kickback analytics. It's incredible. So check out Potty and sign up using our offer code to get 25% off an already affordable three month membership. But my name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week like I am every week. And my co-host feels completely slighted by the fact that Kyler Murray will not comment on his podcast game. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, you know, I'll just be the bigger man when it comes to Kyler Murray. That's a short person joke. Um, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm good. Uh, I feel like it's been like two weeks since I've talked to you. At least a lot of life has happened. I know we had to push back an extra day because of my dang, you know, uh, box uh, Texan seat. Sorry about that, G. Uh, you know, the fiance wants me to go. I got to go. Um, but no, so we're, we're a day late, but uh, it has been eight days, but it feels like an eternity. A lot has happened uh, since we've talked last, so I'm excited to dive in. How are you? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm worried I'm getting sick, so we're going to record this bad boy. I'm popping some pills, some legal over-the-counter pills I got from CVS, and then I am passing out. We'll see how it goes from there. Uh, but I'm feeling good about Texas football, so at least that's going for me in Texas basketball now that you mention it. Uh, but we've got a lot for you today. The Kansas game happened. It was weird. Uh, the Big 12 championship is happening again. Texas is playing OU again. Also weird. Volleyball continues to absolutely crush everybody and everything that's ever existed. Men's basketball, women's basketball, rolling. Men's basketball had a huge win. We've got some user questions for you today. And then obviously we'll close the show out with Bang the Drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, let's let's start and we'll probably move pretty quickly through the Kansas recap other than the fact that it got weird late. <laughs> uh, so Texas 
held Kansas scoreless for most of the game. It was actually 21-0 in the third quarter. Then, like they've been wont to do for specific weeks, they were uh, they let Kansas back in it. They scored a couple of touchdowns late. Uh, Sam Ellinger broke his uh, his touchdown. Or, I'm sorry, his passes without a uh, incompletion actually threw two against uh, against Kansas. They confirmed to uh, yesterday in the press conference that his shoulder just wasn't 100 percent there. Uh, it was just a weird game. Gary Johnson suspended for on defense. What the heck happened in Larry, Kyle? What the heck happened in Larry, Kansas? You know, I've joked about it a lot, and I'm 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 certainly not convinced at this point that Tom Herman is not like trying to to win ugly to keep you know to deflate the ratings or something. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. There's no reason that every single week this should happen. That we should. You know, we can't just have a nice, comfortable, easy win. We said that, um, I, I was listening back on our last week's podcast. We said, you know, what, what do we want to see this week? Just just nice, easy, comfortable, relaxed, NPR voice, easy win. <laughs> you know, like, that's all we want. We're playing Kansas, guys. Uh, I know things get weird when we go to the lair, but I, I thought we had it for a little bit there. Um Honestly, it's probably good that we were playing Kansas. Um, there was a lot of weird football, crazy football that happened around the country. Um, we, we got ours out early with the weird, but uh, I'm glad we were playing a team that we were certainly better than. And so, you know, we, we did our requisite weird and then, and then kind of just t- took our ball and went home. Um, the, the saddest news was that uh, my, my scintillatingly hot Podstradamus streak uh, came to an end, when, as well as Sam Ellinger's uh, outrageous um, completions without an interception streak but like Ellinger and like records um you can always start over again and uh records you know are, are only go so far until you have to leave them there so um sad to see it come that to an end deep <laughs> uh, that was really deep well you know maybe that's the meds but I appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> no I think you hit exactly on it Texas has been absolutely abysmal in the fourth quarter. Now, granted, that's buoyed by an abysmal fourth quarter performance against OU the first time, letting Kyler Murray run all over them. But if you look at the numbers, this is this is what I do is the numbers. Texas has been outscored in the fourth quarter 8 of 12 this year. 8 of their 12 games, they've been outscored in the fourth quarter for a 64-point differential. They're Yikes. minus 64 in the fourth quarter. And a lot of that is coming on the ground. Texas has given up nearly 450 yards on the ground, nine rushing touchdowns in the fourth quarter, including a 67 yard rush from the aforementioned Kyler, tiny man, Murray. So that's to me, the biggest thing is if Texas can manage to clamp down that fourth quarter rushing, because every other quarter they've given up three, two and three. Rushing touchdowns. Wow. And then nine in the fourth quarter. So they have more rushing touchdowns allowed in the fourth quarter than they have in the other three combined. It's ridiculous. That stat doesn't match this defense. That stat matches a defense that's really bad against the pass and gets blown out, and then a team just takes it easy and runs the ball in in the end. That's If you just told me that stat and said match it to a defense on my word or my selection bank, that's where I'd draw the arrow to um, because that doesn't match. That That's a wild stat, man. And numbers, numbers are crazy, but... I don't know exactly what it is. Again, maybe this is the, the grand, grand rope-a-dope. Um, maybe this is Herman making sure that, you know, he gets to he gets to be the underdog. He wanted a uh, an ugly one, and, he, you know, he said, uh, tank, tank, Orlando, tank. Um, I, I don't know, but 
you can't do it again against OU. You get away with that once against an offense like OU's in, in, in Kyler Murray, and we'll talk about that game in a little bit. But, um, you know, get out of here with the W. That's it. It's a win. And that's how, that's, you know, that's kind of where I want to leave it, really, to be honest. But we can talk just a little bit specifics if you'd like. Um, you know, obviously, you talked about Ellinger in, in the interceptions. I think wind was a huge factor. That first drive, he looked incredible, like the injury wasn't affecting him. And then it was some combination of going into the wind in the second quarter, as well as maybe the pain meds wearing off or whatever it was. He just didn't look <laughs> quite the same uh, the rest of the game. Um, you know, he had two interceptions and truly probably could have had another one. Um, just some, some jumpish type balls. And luckily, you got the big the big guys to do that. But, uh, you know, it was it was an uncharacteristic game for, for sophomore Sam. Kansas is a, their record does not indicate how good of a football team they are. Sure. They, Puka Williams is possibly one of the best running backs in the country. Uh, definitely going to be big 12 freshman of the year. I can't think of anybody else that would compete with him. He'll probably be a freshman all American as well. So like dude's a monster. But I think one of the things that we have to talk about is the fact that Gary Johnson didn't play right. Your leading tacklers out. He's one of those motors on the defense and he play he and Malcolm Roach have been playing really well when they're on the field together. They're both athletic freaks. They both get the job done. Uh, Jeff McCullough tried to do some of that. He had um, one of the prettiest interceptions of the year. If you ask mm-hmm. me with a tip to himself and then what a 70 yard run that he mm-hmm. almost scored on, which would have stemmed the tide of the Kansas comeback. So uh, there it's not all bad with the defense, but if you play like that against OU, you're going to get smacked. There's no two ways around that. Yeah. And I mean, they, they did a decent job against the run kind of containing Puka for a while. And of course, I think he was going to break out. That was their game plan. But um, you, you know, I, I think honestly, if you don't have the onside kick weirdness and you just don't have, kind of that kind of stuff happening on special teams that allow it. You know, you knew, I, I kind of made my, my bold take that they would go against the trend, but you knew Kansas was going to find a way to win the turnover battle. They're literally one of the, you know, handful of three or four best teams in the country uh, at doing that. So, you know, even with even with Sam, the guy who doesn't turn it over, you have to know, you know, that that might happen and you got to get your points where you can get them and you get your stops where you can get them in a game like that. And Texas did that through three quarters. It was fine. It was a nice, easy, sloppy, uh, big dog win. They had 143 rushing yards, which is exactly what we wanted. We wanted to come out, control the tempo, out athlete and, and run the ball down their throat. Um, sadly, your boy didn't get 100 yards, but he got a good way there. He was close. He was one shoestring tackle away from blowing it out of the water. And that's, I love Trey Watson. I've been on a Trey Watson love fest for the last probably three weeks. And that's the one thing that like, I wish he could uh, improve on is his ability to not get brought down by his shoestrings. Like that dude, <laughs> I I am completely in awe of the player he's become this year. And he's really become a linchpin of the offense in the last two, three weeks. Yeah, he's. I mean, you look back to the the Oklahoma State game that he couldn't play in, or he didn't play much. I think he had five carries for six yards. You know, he did have a touchdown in that game, but um, you know, a, a game where he didn't really he got hurt and didn't have a chance to get it going, and that's a game that we didn't win. Um, we also lost West Virginia, where he had a fantastic game. But I'm just saying, when he's looking well, the offense looks good against Iowa State, having that near hundred um, against Kansas, kind of kind of being you know being great there. I, I think it's good. I think it gives Keontae Ingram a chance to be a really good change of pace back, and he can be explosive, and he can maybe make one extra wiggle to see if he can break one. Um, but you know, I I really like it. It's not a thunder and lightning. It's a it's a a uh, lightning and lightning, or maybe a. Um, I don't know my my weather terms but maybe like a a, a toward a cyclone and a hurricane i don't know they're very similar i'll say that they are very similar i think 
if you had Trey Watson's grit and Keontre Ingram's body, you'd have the best running back in the country. That's just, I'll, I'll put that down there. But that win puts Texas in the Big 12 championship game against an OU team that's currently ranked number five in the college football playoff. So a win over Texas and a Georgia loss. They're in. Uh, OU is fresh off giving up what feels like 1.65 million points uh, to West Virginia. They scored 1.75 million points to win that game. Uh, so there's a lot riding on this. If if OU wins, they're in the playoff. Texas goes to a New Year's Six Bowl. Kyler Murray is also in the Heisman conversation with Tua Tonga-Vailoa of the University of Alabama at Tuscaloosa. So it's going to be... A lot riding on this game. So, Kyle, what do you think uh, is going to be different, if anything, this time as Texas lines up against OU for the in the, uh, not in the Cotton Bowl for the first time in what eighty years? Yeah, I think uh, to give a little just stats because I think it's interesting. This is the third time that we've played them twice in a season, right? So the uh, the last two times, you have any guess when the the latest or or even even the first time when we did it was. 1903, I think, was the last time they played them twice in a season. You are correct. 1901 and 1903 are the only two times that we've played. Uh, 114 times we've played them, only only three times now uh, has it been in the same season. Uh, the last time this game was played outside of the city of Dallas. Any guesses on that one? Uh, 1936. 1923. Um, ah, it, it's close. And technically Arlington, if you read the Texas pregamer, you'll know is not... Uh, actually part of Dallas. Uh, that's a, it's a not. whole different thing. But, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, this is, uh, this is kind of interesting. It's historic, you know, this, this is going to be fun. It's I'm, I'm heading up for this game. I'm, I'm really excited to see, uh, to see this in person. I, I think the thing that I'm going to be watching, if I just jump right into it, um, is Kyler Murray, of course, um, against our defense. And I think, um, you know, getting pressure on Kyler is important getting him down, hitting him hard. He hates to be hit. Kyler Murray runs the speed option and he pitches as soon as someone's going to touch him. When he scrambles, he's fast enough that he can dance his way out of bounds for however many yards he needs um, and not get touched. The guy does not like to get hit and he's good enough that he doesn't have to. Um, Getting that shirt dirty is great, but I almost feel like you want to try to contain a little bit. If we get Hager and Omenahu, you know, nose down, blitzing upfield, that creates lanes for Kyler Murray, who's almost uh, more dangerous uh, as a runner than as a passer because he's so electric. Um, so I, I really am just curious what that defense, um, really the kind of end edge rush uh, and linebackers can do, balancing the getting pressure, kind of messing with the rhythm of that, you know, circadian you know rhythm off offense um to uh you know containing the the scramble and the kind of big plays where he beats you with his feet like you referenced the 69 yard touchdown in the last game so that's what i'll be looking at first and foremost difference for texas is that malcolm roach didn't play the last time and i i mentioned in our kansas you know recap wrap up that getting Roach and uh, Wheeler and Johnson on the field at the same time is a completely different unit than with McCullough on the field. And that's no shot at McCullough. I'm a huge Shark fan, but Malcolm Roach is one of those guys that really... He's just one of those guys that gets your defense hype. Mm-hmm. He's that, that high-motor guy. Everybody wants to play him. When he is up, the defense is up. When he's down, the defense is down. And he's made some incredible plays. So I think... It's going to be interesting to see how they can use uh, different packages, different personnel uh, to make make the defense. Um, you know, you don't stop Kyler Murray. You just don't. That's not you, that's not how it happens. You slow him down. So them using 
the defense in different defensive packages, players, units, whatever to, to slow him down is the key to the game. Yeah. Who was it who said, you can't hold me. You can only hope to contain me. I do not remember, but that's a great, great quote. I mean, whoever that is, that's, that's basically, uh, you know, that's basically how you play defense against Kyler Murray right now. Um, I hate to say that. I hate to give the kid that much credit, but he's, he's, he's that, you know, he's that electric right now. Um, and it's not just him. He sucks. Yeah. I mean, OU obviously, you know, sucks has, has been proven, but, um, he himself is, is all right. Um, uh, no, but I, I mean, it, there's weapons around him too. I mean, you, you don't just get the number one total offense in the country, number one scoring offense just with one guy. I mean, there's, 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 you know, first round draft picks all over that field. You have Cal, you know, they're Calcaterra, um, at tight end, you have, um, uh, Antonio Brown's cousin, who I didn't know that until the West Virginia game, actually, uh, Marquise, who uh, who was is electric. Um, you know, there was a point in that West Virginia game where I think that it was like the third quarter, and they had like six third down attempts. They just were just getting ten yards a pop at least every play, and it was wild. And I know West Virginia was was you know glad to. It was basically like the uh, like the. Uh, citadel basketball game where it's like you get a fast break we get a fast break you know like it it was fun but yeah they didn't really want to play defense either but still you know that that's scary and so it'll be a different look this will be again the best defense that that OU has played and and since they played us the last time you know they they played um four straight games where they they their defense has given up uh 40 points so I think that's where we we probably want to talk about as well is if the Texas offense is ready to do what they did the last time they met, which is go blow for blow for them and then also get a couple stops, which OU isn't necessarily this year at least built for. Yeah, I think the the X factor for that is Ellinger's shoulder. If his shoulder's there, um, I'm trying to think of a non-getting-a-warning-from-the-Big-12-conference um, non way to say this. <laughs> um, their defensive backs are short and bad at football. Yeah. Their, their, their defensive backs are just not – Good. And so we were, we were talking with some other BON writers and they're like, oh, the OU offense is going to really outpace Texas. And I'm like, oh, so are, are their DBs still really trash and really short? Do we still have two receivers that are six, five and six, six? Yeah. Then let's, let's not play that card uh, without playing the other cards. So I think that for me, um, Ellinger's shoulder is the X factor. I also, I really think one of these running backs pops a hundred this week. It's not my Potsdamas pick, uh, but I really Really do. I think they've got to be, um, they've got to be balanced and not necessarily balanced as far as like even statistics, but being able to do what you want when you want to do it. Yeah. That's, that's what Tom Herman's definition of balance is. And the way to beat OU, we saw Army do this. If they had better athletes, they would have beaten OU in week three is keep that offense off the field. Yes. You keep them off the field. You plow ahead with your running backs. I don't think that there's anybody on this OU defense that really wants to go one-on-one with Keontae Ingram or Danny Young in a hole. Like, that scares every single one of them as much as Kyler Murray is scared of grass. Um, <laughs> so, it's it's that to me is going to be the difference. So, maybe I will make that my Podstradamus pick. Maybe. Let's, let's just – I'm going to do it. <laughs> Lock it in. Podstradamus pick. One of the running backs goes for a hundo against OU. That's actually hilarious because I was just about to segue into mine, and, and I know we didn't put this down in the notes. Uh, mine is <laughs> we that did not. mine is that Texas's team offense, and this is hilariously you know asymmetrical, I guess. Uh, Texas's team offense rushes for greater than 200 yards um so those mm. those could be those could be the same or we could get one and, and not the other which 
if they got 200 with no 100, that would be impressive. But I could see a combination of, you know, uh, Trey Watson really kind of, you know, grinding, pounding, keeping his five-yard a carry average. Keontae Ingram coming in. Um, remember, against Baylor, he, you know, he controlled the game with the uh, – with 110 yards rushing at 86 against Oklahoma the first time, uh, averaging almost seven yards a carry. Um, he, he had 83 against Tech. Against bad defenses especially, he's shown a real burst, a real wiggle to get through. Um, he's had, you know, long long runs of, of greater than 25. I think he's got, you know, uh, at least uh, about almost 10 of those this season. So, I mean, he's... Um, He's shown to be a threat. I think between him, between Watson, and who knows if Ellinger, I just I see him as he hates OU so much. He understands as a lifelong Longhorn. He just I remember the the time that I was really started to come around on him was when we actually lost his freshman year to OU, and they were throwing horns down as he was running down the tunnel. And he just nodded and he just looked and he just took it all in and he just went in in the tunnel and said, "Yep, yeah, I'll be back next year and I'll get him." The guy hates OU with every fiber of his being. He's going to get up for this game. He's got to be smart and not let himself get hit too much on that shoulder. So he's got to slide. He's got to get out of bounds. Do the things that we just praised Kyler Murray for doing. But you you know that that Sam's going to want to run if Sam sees a window, he's going to take off. And and I think he could have, you know, 30, 40, 50 yards rushing because that OU defense is going to be dropping back trying to contain the uh, the monsters we have out wide. So I think I think that Texas isn't going to West Virginia OU to stay with their offense, but I think like you said that they are going to just grind them to a pulp. It's funny. I, like I said I went to the Texans game last night and they set a team record um for rushing yards against the Tennessee Titans. Um and in in I think it was 270 somewhere around there. But they basically just got 8 yards a pop. I mean, there was a 97-yard run in there, but they basically got 8 yards a pop. They could not stop them. The line just cleared holes. The back got it before he hit somebody with 6 yards and fell forward 8 yards a pop. I could see Texas offense doing that with a couple big plays and, again, using all of the weapons back uh, in addition to the two receivers and, and, you know, the speed we have around there. Like, just just get guys 10 yards in space and let the OU defenders do what they do where they fall down and miss in what looks like an attempted tackle. 70, 70, and 60 is also 200 rushing yards. So that is <laughs> on the that is honestly really in the realm of possibility against um, this absolute poochies uh, <laughs> OU defense. Uh, so we'll find out out on Friday at 11 o'clock where Texas lands. If Texas manages to beat OU, it will eliminate the uh, the Sooners from the CFP playoffs. It will also uh, basically relegate Texas to the Alamo Bowl because OU will then um, probably end up in the Sugar Bowl. So we'll see how that works out. Um, there's an interesting thing going on. A bit of gamesmanship, though, uh, here this week as Texas prepares a team an opponent that both teams have in common in the last three weeks, the Kansas Jayhawks. That's absolutely right. Um, and, and they're bringing in not less miles. <laughs> they are bringing in uh, David Beatty, who, who is, you know, I think a guy who got a, got a raw deal at Kansas. He's a guy who I like and respect. And um, it'll be very interesting how like, this is, this is a shrewd move by, by the Mensa coach. We joke about that, but this is actually very smart. Like you said, a team that has seen both of these, who put up 40 points. When I said there's four consecutive opponents who've put up 40 points, one of those was Kansas um, against OU. So, I mean, he they know how to how to do it. And then they also, like I said, just saw Texas and played them pretty well um, to the point where they say, you know, yeah, Tom, this is your tendencies. This is, you know, this is how we were lining up against you. This is, you know, and by knowing your weaknesses, you can counter them or at least mitigate them. And I think it's, it's genius. I really don't see any downside uh, to getting him in there, you know, as he's an outgoing coach and his season is over and, 
why not? One of the things, one of the key things that he's probably going to be doing is talking Tom Herman through the keys, the things that Kansas was able to read in their offense and defense to capitalize. That's that's the biggest thing that Beatty is able to do uh, for Tom Herman is, hey, here are the things that you did, whether it was running back depth, whether it was lineman splits, whether it was, you know, positioning of the defensive backs, allowing us to gash it up the middle, whatever it may be. That's that's the value that Beatty adds there is he's able to analyze, OK, here's what you did that allowed us to key on you. And here's what we did to key on OU and drop a 40 spot on them in embarrassing fashion. Yeah. And I mean, Let's also not, you know, rule this out just to speculate a little here as as a potential addition uh, on the coaching staff for David Beatty, who's who's a guy who's one of the best recruiters, you know, of the state of Texas in the, in the country. He knows how to get kids to come. He he recruited a pretty, you know, some pretty solid classes as you're seeing to Lawrence, Kansas. Imagine what he could do. He did it in College Station, so two of the worst places on earth. Imagine what he could do with a city <laughs> like Austin. Um, you know, so I, I, you know, who knows? Herman really likes what he sees. Uh, you know, maybe maybe this is uh, something that ends up down the road more permanent, or we, you know, we become close friends and see where that leads. Uh, the the I don't think there was any overlap when they were at Rice. I think Herman left Rice in, in 2008, but you know they, they've been in the same circles. They know of each other. Um, there's some there's some friendliness there uh, to the point where you know this doesn't shock me, but I think it's shrewd. It's not a crappy thing to do because if you've ever been around a coach during a playoff, um, the first thing they do is call their friends that have played the team. Yes. Like hey, yes. That's what we're doing. Give, you got any tape on Katie? I remember hearing that conversation yep. when we were in high school. Hey, you got any tape on Katie? Great. Send it our way. Yep. Like that's, that's all this is. So it's not some backhanded stuff. Lincoln Riley's brother is also a, uh, a coordinator elsewhere that he's calling in to be a special consultant so they can go ahead and get off that high horse uh, <laughs> and suck it up and continue to suck. Because as we will say on this podcast forever, Oh, you sucks. I love that. That's a fantastic way to, to serve that up. And, and and just to show one thing, I, I missed this earlier, and I wanted to say it right when we started talking about the team, not related to OU, but related to Texas. Um, Tom Herman, I was looking at it, was announced as the head coach of the University of Texas two years ago today. We're recording this on, on Tuesday, uh, the 27th. It was right after we'd lost to Kansas and Charlie was fired, and we basically hijack Tom Herman from from becoming the LSU coach and, and having a 30-year win streak on Thanksgiving over the Aggies. But two years ago today, the shambles in the state that we were in where we, you know, were, were seeing the sky falling, we just finished the season ranked in the top 10. When Tom Herman said alignment and said promises, this is what he talked about. We're playing for the Big 12 title. Now, I don't think this is the finished product. I don't think this team is as good as this team is going to be. But I just want to take a second before we get down into whatever happens in the outcome of this game, the bowl, the end of the season, whatever happens. Look at where we're at two years on and look at what the future holds. So like I said, he's got some shrewd moves. He's doing some smart things. But it's good sometimes to zoom out of the weeds and just look at the state of the program and kind of say, you know what? Bravo, coach. Bravo. If... This trend continues. If Texas doesn't win another game this year, then Tom Herman has improved two games in his first two years yeah. uh, at Texas. He he went from a five and seven to a seven and five, and then right now he is a what nine and three. Yep, and 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 two more games to to be played. Yep. So it's it's really and they can play spoiler to OU's college football playoff berth. They can make Kyler Murray cry again. It'll be great <laughs> for everybody. It's a win win win. Win, win. So something we want to talk about, we do talk recruiting every now and again, kind of fitting into this. Um, 
one of the things that started rumbling when um, Mike Stoops was fired was that the number one Juco uh, strong side defensive end in the country, uh, Jacoby Jones, was starting to waffle. He was a big uh, Stoops guy, and as it so happens, he decommitted from the uh, University of Oklahoma and has committed to the University of Texas. He is the number one uh, Juco strong side defensive end uh, and the number 26 Juco player overall. As a team that continues to have young guys on that defensive line, bringing in a guy like this, um, bolsters those numbers because you got guys like Osai that are coming on. You got guys like Benda that are going to come on. Um, that having this elder statesman, whether he plays, whether you know Osai and Benda get ahead of him, and he just adds maturity to the locker room, those are all good things in my book. Yeah, there, like you said, there is no downside to this. I, I do think that we're we're probably going to you know losing as much as we are if that first unit, basically all three of our starting linemen, um, in Hager, Amenahu, and, and Nelson. I think getting depth in there is paramount. Um, I think getting um, you know, and, I, and again, I think we take on Graham uh, Bimage. I think we have talent. I think there's there's dudes already. But like we said earlier in the year, get a room full of dudes. Get a you know, look at that receiving group. It's just a, it's a bunch of studs and future studs. Like get the talent surrounded. Running back, keep adding to the stable. You know, quarterback, keep stack, stacking them up. Get you know, get your talent in there at every position. Just load up. That's no downside to that. And, and obviously, that a lot of teams uh, around the country were looking at this guy. He's a guy who you know could come in anywhere in the country and probably get his hand in the ground and, and just go and start playing. Uh, and so the fact that he chose Texas tells us that you know he thinks he has a chance to, to contribute and do good things. Um, but also that you know Texas is in good shape. That we wanted him and we got him. That's how it should be. Yeah, I'm interested to see um, how the other dominoes fall. Texas has a lot of guys that are still out there. Javon Shepard was on campus today, and he tweeted some really good stuff. Javon Shepard is an incredible player. He's also a 17-year-old, so pinning (sighs) anything on his long-term decision-making is is just – that's the trouble with recruiting, right? Um, Not to say anything about him because he is incredible, and I want him in burnt orange. Uh, So this also helps stem the tide a little bit of the online thought feeling um, BS narrative that OU and A&M were kicking Texas's tail recruiting. I think according to, to which side, I think they were five and seven is what I've seen now. There you uh, go. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to continue because there are, I mean, you add, you add Noah Kane and that'll shoot you up the right rankings oh, really quick. Absolutely. I, and, I anticipate them shooting up to the top five by the end of the, the recruiting cycle. So uh, that, that to me, it's a false narrative. And let's just continue to, uh, to stem that tide and uh, show everybody that, you know what, Texas is back in the recruiting game. So moving right along, we had another Texas team paving the way for the Big 12 championship. The volleyball team clinches their, feels like, in, infinity, infinite <laughs> number of Big 12 championships uh, with a sweep of West Virginia. Texas had five players named all first team conference. Two were named to the all rookie team. Logan Eggleston is the eighth player in school history to be named Big 12 freshman of the year. Texas misses out on the top four. They are number five seed in the NCAA tournament. They'll host first round games against Rice and SFA. Kyle, we are a volleyball podcast. We have been, we always will be. So, how does this sit with you as Texas continues to um, fully remind everybody that we are in fact the Joneses? Um, what is this volleyball conference championship? Well, like? I mean, the tower was lit fully orange. It's a beautiful sight. It's never not a good thing. Um, you know, football is a chance to add to that. 
basketball it's going to be a big climb but the women certainly have a chance to do it um i mean there's just texas sports are in a good place right now point texas all over the place um this team has a chance to redeem themselves a little bit because they played a really tough schedule. They, they lost to some of the best teams in the country. Their losses have come uh, to teams they'll potentially be playing in a Final Four-type matchup. Um, that could be a good thing. You get a little chip, but you know you, you want to see this team just take a little step up. I think they missed the top four spot because of that. Um, it's nothing they've done in the past month. They've been on fire. Um, but, you know, those things factor in. So this is a chance for them to host some games, be dominant at home before they have to go on the road um, for the rest of the tournament and um, really show that they've got what it takes to be not just one of the best as we've seen the past couple of years, but to really uh, to take that step and be the best team in the country and add another national championship to our very, very, very overstuffed uh, university athletics trophy case. Yeah, I, I again, since I was there, I, I'm a Destiny Hooker <laughs> fan. She was an incredible athlete. At there was a point where I argued on television that she was the best athlete on campus. Uh, that was also the same time where guys like Jamal Charles, Colton Cole, <laughs> John Chipley were also playing in burnt orange. So it's probably a bit of a reach. But the fact that Texas continues that Jarrett Elliott has just got this as a well-oiled machine continues to be impressive because when he got there 10 years ago, when you and I were in school there, they weren't a volleyball school. They weren't a powerhouse program. And year after year after year after year now for basically the last 10 years, there were a couple of hiccups here and there, but essentially for the last decade, Texas has just been absolutely dominant at at Gregory gym and just overall. Yeah. I mean, this is, I hope again, I I keep saying this, uh, I assume there's some students who listen to this. Our demographic surveys would say that there are, um, if you are in Austin or you're a student and you're on campus, this is, this is very cool. It's a home, uh, hosted NCAA tournament game. Get out there, support Phil Gregory. I know we never have a problem doing that, but try to go catch one of these games. Um, I don't think I ever got to go to a volleyball NCAA tournament match, but you know, went to many, many in Gregory, and it's just as we've said, an incredible atmosphere. So, so kind of go cheer the ladies on um, to their start and their march towards a championship. Yeah, screaming point Texas, so much fun. Speaking of points, <laughs> uh, the men's basketball team took its talents to Las Vegas, and they came away with a big victory over formerly number seven, University of North Carolina Tar Heels. The final score does not really um, give a direct indication of how dominant and how good Texas looks. Snoop Roach looked like the best player on the court at a lot of times. Uh, 32 points, seven uh, assists. I think he was perfect from beyond the arc, if I recall correctly. Jackson Hayes earned his way into a uh, Big 12 newcomer of the week with 15 points, nine boards. Just, just an incredible, incredible performance. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we talked about it last year. I remember, you know, kind of going in depth and saying, you know, Snoop Roach comes back. This team could look one way, but I don't think you or I even imagine that that Snoop Roach was going to be a 30 point a game, and not that he does not every game, but go out and do that. I mean, that's a that's an elite like lottery talent type performance that he had against. North Carolina. Now that's that's uh, hilarious that it was against North Carolina because, um, as, as we said on the on the Twitter, um, two out of three of the world's famous North Carol or excuse me Roy Williams's uh, that'd be North Carolina head coach Roy Williams um, and University of Texas star Roy Williams have done great things for the University of Texas. Roy Williams' record now stands at one in eight. Uh, against the against the Longhorns, so uh, Roach was just doing what he did. He just 
took people off the dribble, dunked all over him, shot the three when he had the open look, and facilitated the offense. I mean, it was, if you get that Snoop Roach, this is a team that goes deep in the tournament. I mean, that's a that's a guy who who you have to game plan, you know, run your whole defense to try to get the ball out of his hands and stop him. And that's that's pretty incredible. Um, you know, it, it's hard it's hard to stop Texas when they're that when they have a player who can be individually that dominant. So in the championship game of the Las Vegas Invitational, Texas jumped out to a pretty sizable lead in the first half, but Michigan State was just too much knocking off the Longhorns 78 to 68, Texas had four players in double uh, double figure scoring. Uh, Snoop Coleman and Dylan Ostakowski had 13. Jackson Hayes dropped another cool 11. Uh, that second half, though, just like the football team, was absolutely brutal for the uh, basketball team. Yeah, and I think that's where Izzo just you know that's the type of coach he is. He'll strangle you. You know they looked so good in the first half. They they just looked like they were one of the best teams in the country on you know based on three three halves two against North Carolina and one against Michigan State. And Michigan State came out and said, "Hey, we've been here before." Um, but just to be when we saw that preseason schedule to be that close, um, it's a ten point game, but truly, I mean, it was it was a lot closer than that for the majority of the game. Um, to be that close to winning a tournament like the Las Vegas Invitational with the, with the types of teams that were there is a good thing and a good indication. Uh, of the state of the the union for the basketball team. I mean, just what came out of it, Texas now has a number next to their name. Um, The highest ranking, in fact, ever under Shaka Smart, the number 17, um, and they have a chance to, you know, kind of keep that keep that climbing it's their first ranking in in two years um and uh the stat that i found right before this uh, it's the first time that football and basketball have been ranked in at the same time since february 2010 um like i said the the sports programs are all marching in the right direction. You have baseball where they ended up last year, you know, with coach Pierce, you obviously have both basketball teams, football, um, swimming and diving, volleyball. Everything is heading in the right direction. It feels like the good old days when it was a, you know, we were the Joneses and it was great. And we were on the cover of sports illustrated for the best sports school. This is good. This is fun. This is, this is how it should be. This is what, this is the good stuff. So I'm, I'm hoping everyone's taking the time to, to, uh, to just enjoy it all. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of enjoying it quickly, the women's basketball team is the most boring team on campus. Cause they don't play anybody close. They just absolutely blast everybody other than Kyle's favorite school. The Quinnipiac Cougars, Panthers, small, uh, you know, feline. Um, so <laughs> weirdly, weirdly, Quinnipiac uh, gave him a one-point game after a uh, 56-point win over McNeese State uh, a couple days before. <laughs> um, they did rebound and, and put a whooping on Michigan and Fordham after that. Um, they play UTSA tomorrow. That's uh, Wednesday. Um, and then, just if, if you have some time to catch it, they go through a, uh, a murderer's row of the SEC's best basketball schools. They take on Mississippi State. Uh, on Sunday, uh, and then a week after that, they take on Tennessee, the Battle of the UTs, uh, who's ranked number 11. So they, they get a little one off here against UTSA, and then it's right back uh, to the grind, and we'll see how good this team actually is. I think they're actually pretty good. I don't know if they're Tennessee good, but we'll we'll find out. Can I come back with one thing? Because I just looked this up, and I did not know this, and you're going to love this. Gerald, we're going to go back to men's basketball very briefly before we move too much. Do you know, I'll tell you, the next opponent is the Radford men's basketball team. Do you know the mascot of the Radford University, you know, a Big South Conference blanks? The Radford Rams. No. You might think to Uh, yourself, you might think to yourself, 
that's where I saw Highlander. These, <laughs> <laughs> that's an inside joke. Wow! But these are the Radford Highlanders, um, which is utterly fantastic. Didn't know that, uh, and any chance I get to to drop uh, inside jokes from over ten years ago, uh, I take them. That's a solid fifteen because we were young college at that point. Um, yeah, we'll just we'll just leave it at that. Kyle <laughs> was. Uh... Had a couple of adult beverages and didn't realize we were watching Highlander until the next morning. So uh, we've got a listener question. You can always shoot us an email at longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also tweet at us at longhornpod. We got a really interesting question from Jason. He's at Chief Argonaut on Twitter. He asks, why isn't Devin DuVernay getting recognition for a phenomenal season? If not for five overthrows he'd probably be the second right. leading receiver in yards and the leader in touchdowns so kyle what to you what's what's going on with devin and why is he not uh, getting the accolades that you and i both think he deserves yeah i mean i remember when we got devin the doof when we flipped him he was part of that kind of baylor fallout if you will um i was so excited i was so excited to get him because he just looked like a monster his straight line speed was probably the best on the team it was unbelievable I just had these expectations that this is exactly the guy that he would be um to answer it frankly I think the reason he doesn't get it is there's only so much uh attention that can go around um you know you literally have two guys um who on any given day look like they could project as a top you know two round draft pick at receiver um to be just frank if either of those two guys weren't there I don't know that DuVernay would get quite the looks he does but if he was playing as well as he did and either one of those two guys wasn't there then I think you would hear some talk uh about about DuVernay getting you know getting some looks at an all-conference type team and again you catch five of those or three out of those five passes and I think he still does um so I mean it's a couple confluence of unfortunate circumstance being a little bit in some giant giant shadows um and then kind of just you know flying a little under the radar because he's done it. Uh, he had the two touchdown game, um, kind of not in the limelight, right? Against it wasn't one of our big marquee, um, you know, beating OU type games. So it's it's a combination of those things. But I think I think this is a very astute point. I mean, we should be talking about Devin the Duve as one of the one of the guys, you know, one of the one of the best guys that we rely on week in and week out. He was he was absolutely incredible against uh, West Virginia in that loss. Uh, and then when Colin Johnson was out against Tech, that was the two touchdown game. Oh, it was so, Tech. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So I think, to me, that you hit the nail on the head. It's just there aren't enough footballs in Austin, Texas, to feed all three of these guys. Now I do, if big if if one or both of them leave, I think probably one goes and one stays. That's my uh, draft Stradamus prediction, for lack of a better term. Uh, I think one of them leaves, one of them goes. I think Duve has a massive year next year because if you're going to have to bla- bracket Colin Johnson, I don't know if there's a defensive back in the conference that's as fast as Devin Duvernay. I just don't. Oh, yeah. I mean, in, in again, 468 yards now. Let's say he gets that up to, to 600. You know, let's say he gets that right at 600 this year. I could see him doubling that next year, right? If he's the guy that the, that the quarterback is looking to, um, because he's not just a speedster. I think that's the thing he's proven here lately. Is he can he can run pretty good routes, and he's got good hands. He's, he's shown himself to be very dependable. Um, I think he can easily be a 1,000-yard receiver if he's the, the guy that the quarterback is looking to. Um, I mean, I, I was just thinking, it just popped in my head when I said, 
but you know you can't really have three. We did have the Roy Williams, Sloan Thomas, B.J. Johnson kind of triumvirate, um, and hey. <laughs> You know, and that's that's legendary, right? That's pantheon type stuff. Um, so you know what, Devin Duve, you got two games. Why don't you take this opportunity to put up, let's say, let's say a hundred, uh, hundred in each, and uh, and make people at the end of the season have to have to reevaluate that conversation about whether this trio uh, can be as good as that. And I think. They could be. I think with a healthy Sam Ellinger, I think with a running game that's popping, you're going to have open passing lanes. But thank you so much for the question, Jason. You can, again, tweet at us at LonghornPod. Feel free to also shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We got a a question about getting tickets to the game that I will reply to after this podcast is over when I'm trying to fall asleep tonight because that helps me relax. But now is the time of the show where we move on to the the part where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college sports, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Return of the Mac. Hey, this is exciting. If you're a college football fan, you have a heart for Mac Brown. I don't care if you are a diehard Aggie or Sooner. You can't help but just love good old good old Grandpa Mac. I mean, I had a joy going back and looking at young Mac Brown pictures because I forgot that he was a young man once. He just seems like a like he he Benjamin Button, but never was young. He just came out old and stayed old. Um, you know, like in, in Sally, same thing. She was three years old and just making the world's best cookies. But uh, you know, Mac is back, baby. Uh, I don't know if this has officially been ruled, but it is it is very poorly protected secret that. Uh, Juan Makovich Brown is is heading back to where it all started, to where he he kind of etched himself uh, as the the hot young must have coaching prospect in the country. Going back to North Carolina, um, where he can he can replace a very very um, jacked but very bad football coach in Larry Fedora. I wouldn't say bad; he had a really bad year, um, and and can instantly become the hero again. I don't think he loved the way his chapter ended. Obviously, in Austin, left a bad taste. He's from all sources really wanted to just close out his coaching uh, chapter. He's a few wins away from I think being their winningest coach of all time. I am so utterly elated for Mac Brown. I will absolutely tune in next year to as many North Carolina football games as as I can possibly see that don't you know conflict with with UT. Um, I, I kind of get it now when I heard LSU fans say they were going to be rooting for Kansas to follow the Mad Hatter. Um, in the same way, I am excited, excited for Coach Mac Brown to get another chance to uh, to show that he, you know, whatever you think of his, his X's and O's and whatever, is just one of the all-time college football coaches. There's no doubt about that. There is a Mac Brown way of doing things that people have emulated, coached, you know, taken pieces of into their own coaching, you know, playbooks. He's he is a guy who is one of the one of the all timers, and I am so excited for Coach Brown uh, to get this chance to uh, to just re- add one more chapter to the legacy. So welcome back, Mac. Sally said there were three places she would consider letting him take a coaching job: University of Hawaii, University of Bermuda, in North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Those are the three places that Sally said he could take a job. And when grandma says something, you got to do it. You have to. It's just, that's just how it goes. So, um, I, 
think this is a weird hire, especially because one of the hottest names in uh, the country is just a few miles down the road at App State. Yeah, uh, I think that guy is going to be really, really good. The this makes sense because I've been I've been seeing some things online that Beatty was not the guy to um, to schmooze the boosters, for lack of a better term. And if you're looking for a guy to rebuild relationships with your boosters and with your fan base and with your supporters, there is no other better coach in the world than Mac Brown. He is a boosters best friend. He knows how important they are. He also knows that they will get you fired at some point uh, with their buyout cash. But that to me is, is a, if that's their goal with this hire, then I'm all for it because there's nobody in the country that's better than Mac Brown and building relationships with boosters. Now, if they're looking for a hands-on, really involved football right. coach, this may not be the hire for them. But again, I don't. I'm not in those meetings. I'm not an athletic director for a reason. So we'll see how it shakes out. I think. I think an interesting thing is Mac Brown has always been very, very, very good at identifying talent and coaching staff that he he put around him to, you know. Uh, not highlight, but to maximize the things that he doesn't do in someone else and, and to showcase their abilities. And a lot of young coaches have cut their teeth by Mac Brown, letting them do what they, what they do and, and gone on to, you know, good to great careers after that. So I, I'm very, very curious. It turns North Carolina into an interesting destination for other coaches who, who may be, you know, looking to be a coordinator for a short stint and go back to being a head coach or work their way up, you know, to the ranks. I think, um, you know, all the money that comes from the Jordan brand from the cachet of North Carolina, just as an institution, not necessarily in the football realm, but they're a known entity for sure. Um, you know, Mac Brown, what he did there before, um, the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful baby blue, uh, that they have recruits, you know, come on, they're they're fickle. Um, I think this could be interesting. This could be one of the most interesting two to three year experiments in, in, in college football. I think it's going to be interesting to see if they have casitas in uh, Chapel Hill. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and if my slice is allowed at, uh, at said casita. Uh, so I am banging the drum this week, uh, brought to you by Joe Ruiz on the Broyles Award watch list, a.k.a. the biggest sham in college athletics. I'm just going to say it right now. The fact that Herb Hand mm-hmm. is not on this list is laughable and proves how ridiculous every one of the college football awards is. This is the proof case, more so than quarterbacks getting beat for the Heisman by somebody that they beat for the top quarterback in the country. More so than that, Herb Hand is, I don't want to say the sole reason for Texas's turnaround, but if you had to pick a top three, I would put Herb Hand as maybe one and two. <laughs> I don't know. He's He's... He's done an incredible job. So a year ago, Texas was 109th in the nation in sacks allowed, giving up 2.62 a game. They were number 111 in the nation, somehow worse on tackles for loss, giving up nearly seven tackles for loss a game. Under Herb Hand, Texas is in the top 50 in both of those categories. They have, they're giving up less than two sacks per game, which is actually buoyed by a couple of really high sack games. If they brought those numbers down a little bit, same thing goes for the tackles for loss. They're about five and a quarter tackles per loss a game. So he has improved Texas more than 60, well, 60 slots in one and more than 60 slots in another. So the fact that Herb Hand is not a finalist for the Broyles 
award is absolutely asinine, and I've never been more incised by anything in my entire life. Uh, you're you're absolutely not wrong, and an easy way to see how valuable someone is is to look like you did at, at the value he brings to his new place. But a, a, another metric to look at is is what's left behind when he leaves. Um, and I'll just say this. It was reported just about an hour or two ago uh, that, that Auburn uh, met with Gus Malzahn. And, and originally it was thought that this might be the end of Gus, uh, but it sounds like the the hefty $32 million buyout uh, that he was given to be fired is probably going to be cut at least in half, uh, which says, Gus, you're not fired yet, but oh, by God, one more year of, of not doing what you did when you had Herb Hand to open holes and give you, you know, that crazy power uh, spread running game, um, and you're gone. So, I mean, that says something, too. Um, it says something that Auburn at times looked like, you know, a bottom 20 offense in the country this year um, based on where they were in the past is wild. Um, and I think I'm not saying that's 100 percent attributable to Coach Hand no longer being there, but I, I think that speaks some volumes as well. Not only what you add, but what you take away. Absolutely. And, and again, college football awards are ridiculous other than the, um, the Jim Thorpe award brought to you by Paycom. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so, uh, that that's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Like I, they, they went from a top rushing team to a bottom rushing team. Absolutely crap in the sec. I, I could not watch the Auburn offense. It was so bad in a lot of instances, um, as much as I wanted to see them beat A&M couldn't do it so yeah it's it's ridiculous these awards are dumb and i hate them and and we'll move on uh, but that's all we've got for you this week kyle where can the good folks find you on the internet you can find me on twitter at kyle carpenter you can also find me tweeting at the texas pregamer uh, i had a tweet this week with found some beautiful young pictures of young mac on there um that was was doing some numbers so go go like and retweet that one if you want to see young mac back in his, his north carolina days he also need to find out how i get one of those sweet sweet 90s polos but uh but yeah you can texas pregamer and kyle carpenter see all the good stuff i got uh, you can follow me on twitter i am at GH Goodridge. Feel free to shoot us a line on our show Twitter at Longhorn Pod. And again, you can always shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, I don't respect Kyle Murray's game. Hook him and OU sucks. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.